Baker Mayfield, undraftable, off my board. The Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield. What's up, Browns fans? Welcome into the OBR Film Breakdown. I'm your host, Jake Burns. We are really going to have a replay of our Twitch audio stream um, of the post game because I think there's some really good conversations there. And again, only have so much time to do so many things on these days where uh, multiple things are happening. So this is going to be a replay of that. It was a crazy day in terms of outcomes with the Raiders um, getting into the playoffs at the end of the day here also. The Steelers somehow with a negative 55 point. Actually, the Raiders, too, who ended up with like a negative 65. Two teams in the playoffs with a negative 55 and 65 point differential. Tough pill to swallow. The Raiders will go play the Bengals. Steelers, you know, honestly, I don't know who the Steelers go play. Um, Doesn't matter. I think they're going to get absolutely, absolutely rocked in the playoffs. But they made the playoffs, and I just can't believe it. And it puts a cherry on top of a really weird year. Your Browns picked 13th. They could have gotten as high as 10th. If they had lost, but they picked 13th with the win. And we're going to recap some of those things with the win from the uh, Twitch replay. Talk about who played well, who didn't play well. And then have, you know, fast forward, advanced conversations about the offseason. Because that's what everybody's most concerned with right now. We will get to that. Uh, There will be a Baker Mayfield piece up on Tuesday. For those of you interested, where I am tracking the issues he had this year and whether they're fixable. If that's something you're into. So keep your eye out for that on Tuesday. Otherwise, guys, going to sh- uh, jump over to this replay real quick. If you have any other questions, hit it up at the OBR uh, in the Ask the Insider section. More than happy to uh, provide answers with those, and I'm sure I'll be around on Twitter and social uh, Monday into Tuesday. So uh, appreciate you guys joining today's episode. Let's get over to the post-game show right now. Good afternoon, Browns fans, and welcome to the OBR post-game spectacular for the 17th game of the season, a thrilling win by the Cleveland Browns, 21-16, to uh, over the uh, really trying really hard Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, with ultimately, basically a preseason game uh, with uh, uh, a number of starters benched, uh, you know, to stay healthy on the part of the Bengals. Uh, Baker Mayfield not playing uh, as he's going to get surgery in a day or two. And... Uh, you know, pretty much what you expect. Of course, you know, uh, perhaps more exciting, we have the uh, sort of the battle of the weasels, as I would put it, the Pittsburgh Steelers versus the Baltimore Ravens, uh, you know, both with a possibility of getting into the playoffs uh, at this point. Uh, Pittsburgh and Baltimore are tied uh, at 13 at the end of regulation. Pittsburgh just kicked off to Baltimore. And uh, the Ravens, you know, won the toss and selected to uh, to receive the ball here. Um, Jake, uh, any uh, any thoughts on that uh, nail biter in uh, First Energy Stadium, sir? <laughs> Felt like a lot of games we've watched this year had all the features. It had a red zone turnover. It mm-hmm. had a quarterback terrible quarterback blunder uh, for Keenum's fumble. It had 
What else? It had an onside kick recovery, almost. You know, I thought the Browns <laughs> almost gave another one away. It had all the features of what's been a miserable season. It was everything sort of wrapped into one. And that, you know, sucks to say, but that's just where it was. It was absolutely a terrible football game uh, from start to finish. From the stats perspective, the Browns go for 376. They went for uh, 15 more offensive plays, 5.7 yards to 3.6 for Cincinnati. 205 rushing yards for Cleveland to 79 for Cincinnati. 171 passing yards to 103 for the Bengals. Penalties were four apiece. No, well, the Browns turned it over twice. Uh, the Bengals did not turn it over, but they punted seven times to Cleveland's four punts, Barry. So that explains that. Uh, okay. Cleveland was six of 12 on third down, and Cincinnati was five of 14. So, you know, ugly, ugly game um, that we knew was going to be an ugly, ugly game. And, uh, you know, I, I guess Cleveland leaves feeling like they, you, you know, winning a game is a nice way to go out. You know, it never hurts to win a game. They've won. They, I think Fox was pretty vocal about now Cleveland is what six for their last seven against the mm-hmm. Bengals. So, you know, right. that, that, that part helps, but I think you could see clearly why people were very much, uh, questioning a lot of depth concerns the Bengals have. I mean, they're, their roster was not really ready, in my opinion, from a collective depth standpoint to win the division, but their top-of-the-line guys did the did the job. So, you know, if you get enough stuff from Chase and Burrow and all that, that, that makes sense. You could see how the, the, the challenges of the Cincinnati depth as you go through their roster. Cleveland certainly has a better collective roster, but Cincinnati got better performances from the important parts of their, yeah. you know, the important parts that make the, the whole engine go. So, um I don't have much else to say, Barry. They won, and <laughs> and it it it's it's a win, and the draft position changes. We'll see how that shakes out. Getting a lot of subscriptions coming in. I'm not sure if you can see who actually gave those away, but Armor Hatch gave away uh, a number of them. Uh, thank you so much for that. Came came through, and uh, uh, I'm not sure who gave those away, but it is awesome. Thank you so much for the support. Uh, this means a ton to us you know, people subscribing and showing up and being in the chat and, and, and participating in these Twitch streams. Uh, we just love it. We love the interaction and all that. Speaking of which, um, you know, we're sort of watching what's going on with Pittsburgh and Baltimore. We're going to talk a little bit about the game, uh, but you know, your questions and comments really drive the show. Uh, we really want to hear from you. Uh, you sort of control what we talk about and uh I'm keeping an eye on it. It was E. Gillen with that second set of 10 subscriptions. So thank thank you, you, sir. Yeah. Really appreciated. Really appreciated. And uh, we've got a bunch of people who have subscribed for multiple months in a row. It is just fantastic. It is just fantastic. Um, Right now we have the uh, Ravens with the ball. They just got a first and 10 ran for a yard. They are on the, uh, their own 46. So uh, pretty much Justin T- K- uh, Tucker field goal position already uh, <laughs> for the Ravens. What a weapon he is. Boy, oh boy. It's I unique. It's unique, yeah. man. He is a game-changing player, that's for sure. Um, At a position that doesn't have any, you know, that's what makes it, you know, makes it so unique is it's not like there are a bunch of kickers out there who can do the things that he does. So pretty pretty crummy we've had to be up close and personal to too much of that but nonetheless yeah yeah one one question here from uh 
our good friend Tysox15. Uh, he, he said case closed on Y6 wasn't benched to heal. Uh, a little pun in there, I think. Um, you know, from the perspective of Case Keenum, had a, what I'd say is an acceptable game, considering the circumstances here. Uh, you know, managed the game fairly effectively, was really good at handing the ball off to, to Ernest Johnson, uh, who <laughs> ran for well over 100 yards. Um, you know, do you think, you know, looking back on that performance, I hate to put you on the spot like this, Jake, but yeah. it's what I do. You, you think the Browns record would have fundamentally changed uh, if Case Keenum had come in as a quarterback after game three or four? I think they'd be very much close to what they are. Maybe won a game more, could have won a game less. I I don't know. I mean, I don't I don't think Baker really was the the reason the Browns won many games that they won this year. He just right. kind of was out there. I, it's hard to say. I listen. We I, I've had this opinion for a long time, man. That it, it's it's really obvious what they did. They played the guy that they thought was best. They thought Baker, even dealing with shoulder issues, was the best option. And and that's just kind of the simple way to say it. It's nothing against Case. I just think they thought Baker was healthy enough to play. And it wasn't an evil thing that they were doing to Baker Mayfield by making, you know, having him play. He said he was healthy, so he played. You know, he was healthy. The doctor said he was healthy, so he Mm -hmm. played. It wasn't anything evil going on. Like, I just people have blown that so far out of proportion. I, 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 yeah, I definitely don't think the season would have gone much different. Could they have won a couple games if Case just managed it instead of turning it over? Sure. Sure, but you know, I, I don't think it takes them from a seven and nine team or whatever they finish seven and ten to uh or what did they finish? Eight and nine. I don't what yeah. oh, eight and nine. It could it turn them into nine and eight or ten and seven? Maybe, but I don't know for sure. That's kind of where the Browns were too. They wanted to play who they thought the best guy was, and they thought it was Baker, even with an injury. Nonetheless healed or nonetheless cleared and wanting to play, they thought he was the best player. So I'm not gonna fault them for that. Well, we welcome in the legend, Mr. Fred Greedham. How you doing, Fred? Not too bad. I'm not as cold as I thought I might be, you know. <laughs> when we do the radio, there's they take all the windows out, so you're kind of standing right. outside even though you got some overhead. But it was pretty fun to be in there and uh, hear the final words of Doug Deacon. You know, send yep. him off. Very, very emotional. It was fun. Yeah, you are a witness to uh, that uh, event 50 years in the making is uh, you were acting as a statistician uh, for Donovan and Deacon today. Um, who knows? A little national, to... little national TV time. I think, you know, they came into the booth <laughs> and coming out, I think, the third quarter. So I was trying to right. get out of the way. That's <laughs> well done. Well done. National TV time. Uh, for Fred Greetham, maybe I don't know. I'd have to watch the replay, see if I see you in there. Um, you know, Jake and I were just talking about Case Keenum uh, and whether he would have made a difference had he been inserted into the lineup a little bit earlier uh, for the uh, obviously hobbled uh, Kate uh, Baker Mayfield. Uh, I'll ask the same question of you that I asked to Jake. It was unfair to him, and this will be unfair to you, but. Do you think the record would be uh, substantially different uh, if Case Keenum had started games a little bit earlier? Or do you think we'd pretty much be where we are now? 
Yeah, I don't think it'd be a major difference. You know, the way he started off, he was just making the plays that were there. He, you know, he didn't try to overthrow on that touchdown to Landry, just kind of delivered it and let it go. Um, but then, you know, really the Bengals only got on the board because of his mistakes and they couldn't mm-hmm. put points on the board. And so you kind of get mixed bag. I mean, I've said it all year, been consistent. The coaches are watching every day in practice and they are not trying to lose games. And they felt Baker Mayfield, wherever he was in his injury situation, was a better option than Case Keenum. I think Case Keenum, it's logical as the bridge quarterback for the short term, one, two, three games, but they didn't feel that. They could have done that. I think the injury was he needed surgery, so it's either the season's over for Mayfield or try to get through it. And, um, you know, it played out as it did. But right. it just seems like you don't need to pay a backup six, seven million in order to do what he does. So I think I think Nick Mullins could have probably done the same thing. But no, I think he was efficient, you know, but he just pretty much handed the ball off and made, you know, what he's not supposed to do is turn it over and he turned it over. And, you know, that right. kept the Bengals kind of in the game. Yeah, we have uh, one question here. I'm searching for it so I can put it on screen. I'll, I'll keep looking for it. But before we go to that question, uh, which is about Mullins and, and Case Keenum, uh, a, uh, you know, fairly uh, prominent thread in the forums uh, comes from the FD podcast folks. And they basically say, bring back MJ Stewart, please. He is an uh, unrestricted free agent after the season. Heck of a game, though, right, Jake? At least from what I saw. Uh, I didn't know how he handled his assignments, but I sure saw him make a number of uh, nice tackles and, and uh, you know, uh, fairly impressive hits. Yeah, he's had a great close to the season. He's He's played a bunch of different positions for them. And in my opinion, I'm not sure how – how crazy you get with some of this decision-making, but you do have to consider dollars at times. And, you know, Ronnie Harrison is, is definitely wanting a new deal, whether that's here or somewhere else. And you have to consider, do we have cheaper options in house to save us some money at this spot to go fix this spot? You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. He's definitely put himself in a conversation, kind of the same conversation. I think the Browns can be having for their second running back. You know, I, I mean, Dearness Johnson's a player and I've been kind of trying to say it for a while now that like he's a player somewhere. I don't know which organization's going to benefit from that, but mm-hmm. he's belongs on an NFL NFL field in the right systems. So, and there's several that run a similar system to Cleveland. We'll see if that materializes into somewhere else. But if you're talking about how do we save money to take a, a weakness into a strength, you can save money on Kareem Hunt's deal by having Dearness Johnson be your second back. So you lose right. a little bit of the passing element. I get it, but you know, I, I don't think they have a quarterback that really loves throwing it to the running back anyway. So to me, it's a logical conversation to have the same with MJ Stewart because of the safety slot corner flexibility he's provided. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Right, right. Absolutely. Hey, uh, I did find the question. Uh, Fred, I'll point this to you. Uh, starting Keenum over Nick Mullins today. Um you know what Keenum is, is, why not try and get a look at Mullins considering he could possibly be the backup next year. Any thoughts on why they played Keenum rather than Mullins today? Well, you know, I think it was, you know, in respect to Keenum, to be honest, you know, I yeah. think they felt like, okay, he's been here. We passed him over a couple of games. He's, if he's playing his last game with the Browns, you know, give him a chance to show what he can do, but also, Maybe for them to cement in their mind, you know, let's bring him back as our backup. Um, mm-hmm. It is a curious because it seemed like Mullins would be the logical guy to groom for the second role and see what you have in him. Maybe they saw him in the Raiders game and felt, you know, we have what we have. I figured that's why he came here kind of with the idea that, hey, after this year, you know, you'll be the backup if everything goes well, you know, but I don't know what those conversations are, but I just think that, you know, all things being said that that's what they're trying to do is um, give some respect to him as he plays, you know, his last game, you know, maybe with the Browns and felt like he would be able to manage a win. Yeah. And I, I would think too, that, I mean, Mullins had that season in San Francisco uh baker sitting a lot during the week uh, i'm assuming that mullins got a lot of reps uh in practice uh you probably know pretty much what you need to know about nick mullins at this point i mean it's always good to see him in game action but um you know if they're going to go with him next year i would think that they would already know by now right fred yeah he was over there warming up whether they asked him to or you know he was just doing it but I thought maybe he would – I almost thought it would be like maybe a, a preseason game. They bring him in the second half or, or you know, let him let him show what he can do a little bit. But I think they, they decided to just kind of go and let, let Keenum close it out. So, I mean, mm-hmm. it's hard to know what, what the thinking was. Well, we have uh, the game in Baltimore going on. Still tied 13-13, two minutes, 32 seconds left in overtime. The Steelers are on uh, the Ravens 41. So the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers might find some way to sort of sneak into these playoffs and be uh, not one of the best playoff teams of all time. I think I'll put it that way. Uh, Jake, we got another question. And by the way, folks, keep the questions coming. We absolutely love them. And uh, we'll focus on your questions as long as they're as long as they're flying in. This is from Bees330 uh, concerning Jarvis Landry. Mm-hmm. And um, he wants to know, is this the last time we've seen Jarvis in the brown and orange? 
you know, none of us can predict the future, but what's your guess, Jake? Um, I would say yes. Um, <laughs> I, it's a hunch. I mean, again, it, it, they're not going to pay Jarvis million, the 16 and I can't even, it's hard for me to stomach like what he really does for the team anymore more than like 7 million. I mean, I just think they could get a, a very similar player on the market for a lot cheaper and start, uh, start over there. I, I just, I, I don't know. That's my opinion. I, I know a lot of people like Jarvis for a lot of different reasons. I've yep. respected his tenure in Cleveland. I have a hard time seeing Jarvis accept a significant amount of money less. And I, it's hard to see like some really great, uh, you know, restructure going on for, for, for both sides, but I could be wrong. Jarvis could love it in Cleveland more than I know. And he could take some, some different kind of deal. But my, my guess is we sit here and think about it. Like I think Jarvis is probably ready to move on. And I think Cleveland would benefit from moving on as well. Fred, any thoughts on uh, Jarvis? I thought had a good game today. Yeah, by he and large. Well. He played well. well, that well. was uh that was another curious thing that he was out there as much as he was. I mean, he took some pops, you know, on that one that he actually gave out more of the blow that knocked the, the defender out who tried to knock him out. But it was a little curious that, that he played as much as he did. They tried to get him the ball. He got the touchdown. So, again, is that to send him off with a bang? I think they know what they have with him. It's going to come down to economics. And I think, yeah, he would be an, a good possession receiver. But would he take less money? It's hard for me to believe that you'd commit $15, 16000000 $16 to Jarvis Landry but wouldn't do that to Jadavian Clowney or somebody that you could really use in bringing mm-hmm. back. So yeah, right. I think that it, it, it it's all the economics, you know, but I don't think they're just bringing him back to bring him back as is. Right, right. That makes sense. Um Speaking of Clowney, boy, heck of a game today. I'm, I'm not sure exactly who the Bengals were lining up at right tackle, but uh, Clowney had had himself a game today and really made a case uh, not only to bring him back, but to other potential uh, other potential um, landing sites for him during the offseason. Fred, you uh, have not been uh, entirely 100% sure that Jadavian Clowney is going to <clears throat> that Jadavian Clowney is going to return. Uh, has that changed at all? Well, I think I think it's in his court. I know that he got a um, two sacks today triggered us a, a bonus of like a quarter million dollars, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so that's part of the reason I think he was out there. And I think they were showing everything they want. But look what you can do here and thrive with Miles. I mean, you got 25 sacks between the two of them. We talked to Garrett again Friday, and he said, I've tried twice. I've been talking to him. So, you know, it's it's almost like he's saying, we're talking to him, but he's noncommittal. I think right. he's going to see what's available to him. I got nine sacks. Can I get a big deal in a Miami or an L.A. or someplace warm or whatever? But I think I don't know how the deal works at this point, but I would almost – try to extend him before he gets to free agency, you know, and make, because I do think you have something here. That's a big, that's a biggest area of need on defense. If you just let him walk, because I don't see anybody else there. You thought you had McKinley, but I think he's done for next year because of the Achilles. So 
I think I'd put a big priority to see if you could, you know, get something with him. But I don't know. I, I, I really don't know what they're going to do with some of this stuff. Well, uh, it takes him. Go ahead, Fred. I said it takes him to be willing. And he's seen, we don't know how all the negotiations have went in the last four or five years, but he seems to like being that one-year nomad. And he knows somebody always wants him. And if it's not where he wants to be long-term, he takes a one-year deal. And Mm -hmm. I know I think the Browns want to extend him. So is he willing to just – they might have to overpay and say, right now, this is what we'll give you. You know, will you do that? Right. You know, and and, uh, I think think he's (laughs) – he's better than anything that I think in free agency, you know, other than – you, you know you have him here. I would I would try to find whatever way to get it done, even if overpay for a couple years or something until you develop somebody. Well, apparently uh, in the uh, post-game availability, uh, Clowney made reference to the competition between him and Miles Garrett trying to get to the quarterback and uh, said the phrase, I hope we can keep that going, which sounds really noncommittal. <laughs> <laughs> to me, but uh, isn't like, you know, goodbye Cleveland, I'm out of here, you know. Um, yeah, he's uh, talking he, right now. I'm watching. I can't hear him, but right. Um, well, well, you know, he seems to man. like it here and everything, and yeah. it's really, uh, you know, to be honest, you know, they take off now. He can go to wherever he wants, nice and warm for six, seven months, you know, and it's not cold here till pretty much the end of the season, so I just right. think it's it comes down to how much, you know, I, I think it's going to cost him. Nine sacks, pretty pretty impressive. And I think he's yeah. had five or six here in the last three or four games. He, he knows when it was money time. So he'd have had a big play today, you know, if he'd have picked that up and run for a touchdown. But he got a little greedy. Yep. Pittsburgh Steelers have just won over the uh, Baltimore Ravens. Uh, making uh, Ben Roethlisberger's last game a playoff game now. Uh, so they go uh, to the playoffs. Actually, I think the Raiders have to lose still, right? Raiders have to lose still. Raiders I think so. You guys in the okay. comments might know. I don't know. Yeah, uh, I'm, not, I'm not tracking it, all the different so, scores and how that's manipulating. It's the... just unbelievable how they win games, man. Doesn't know whatever. I don't know. Yeah, I got well, no words for it other than just to <laughs> say, of course. Yeah, I, I don't know what we as a collective public here in Cleveland have done wrong to deserve the Steelers and the Ravens in our division, but uh, and now the Bengals. Uh, but uh, you just got you know, this it momentum. It almost it just seems like an organization that somehow you know, Jake, in your conference in college, you might play a team that's down, but somehow you're just they're just always there, you know, and yeah. and it's just. That's what you got with Baltimore, and that's what you got with Pittsburgh. Cleveland just so easy to get derailed, you know, and and so I don't know how. I thought I thought the Browns would sweep the Steelers this year. I thought right. it was all on the competition with the Ravens, and then they had all their injuries. Golden opportunity, and here you are, Cincinnati and Pittsburgh. Yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah, I think absolutely. that puts the Browns now as the uh... – third place team in the division which is what i was talking about before so right since the browns have a better division afc north record they would finish ahead of baltimore and now be playing the third place schedule next year right. and all of that so 
Um, so yeah. take that Baltimore. We have a slightly harder schedule now. Um, yes. You know, we, 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 we can, uh, as we sit here a, a full eight months out of whatever that'll look like. And then all the injuries <laughs> exactly. happen and nobody has any, I always think it's the funniest thing to look at. Like, well, the schedule's going to be harder because so, okay. How do you know who's going to be really good and who isn't? That's always a funny right. notion to me. Well, exactly. That's what I, go ahead, Fred. Brown's schedule was much difficult, more difficult than I anticipated. I, I would have had four and zero against Pittsburgh and Cincinnati. Now the mm-hmm. way it turned out, how can you? The Browns swept the division champs. You know, right. when it's all said and done, they were three and three in the division. You know, it's like you beat the Steelers the other night. I don't know what happened today. You know, right? So right, it's, nothing makes uh, sense. It's it's a woulda coulda shoulda deal, and you look back now. Regardless today, you know you got out of there with a win. Regardless who the Bengals played, but eight and nine, you're like, man, we're one. We had six games. We were one drive from winning the game, and they couldn't do it in any of them. Well, I believe that uh, this tie, based on what I'm seeing in some of the comments and so forth, the. Uh, uh, Chargers and Raiders would have to end in a tie. Uh, and if that happens, that eliminates the Steelers. So odds are against it. But uh, let's uh, get back to the Browns. Uh, the Ernest Johnson, we talked about him a little bit earlier. Fantastic game today. Looks very good. He's a restricted free agent. The question is, what do you do with him? Right. And our uh, infamous producer, Mr. Ian Bitts, uh, said that they will tend Johnson as a second round. He's not going anywhere. That's a $3 million tender uh, going to you, Jake. Uh, does that make sense from your perspective? To put a second I round think tender they'll tender Johnson? him. They'll tender him. I don't know if they'll put a second round tender on him, but I, they'll, they'll give – I would be surprised if they don't give him some kind of tender. I mean, um, I mean, there's there's value there for somebody. I don't know if it's Cleveland or somebody else, but we'll see what shakes out with it. Yeah, absolutely. I, uh, he's a, he's an thoughts? NFL back somewhere. Yeah, he sure is. Sure showed that today. Um, well, or they might let his market get set, you know, as far as mm. – because even if you don't tender him second round, you know, whatever the level it is, that you can match it. And if he gets – I mean, some teams could look at him as they're starting running back. And – then the Browns have a decision to make. I don't. I don't know at this point. It depends on what they. They already extended both Chubb and Hunt, so I think that was one of the reasons they kept him to begin with because of, you know, they knew that, especially when Baltimore lost their top two, he would have been the Ravens' running back in my opinion if they would have let him get to the waiver wire, right, or somebody else even higher than them. So. There's so much yeah. speculation. They just have a lot of decisions to make, and that's going to shape next year. Absolutely. It's going to be an interesting offseason. Um, let's talk a little bit about the offensive line. Uh, James Hudson uh, really struggled last week against T.J. Watt. I think we all know uh, that was not a fair fight uh, for most of the game, but uh, did not see a lot of – uh, heat coming in from the right side today. Uh, Jake, any initial impressions of Hudson, or are you like me and just said, oh, I haven't seen any sacks come from this? <laughs> it's a little bit of that, Barry. I mean, 
I thought the offensive line was okay for the most part. Um, Hudson Hudson's getting valuable, valuable experience. I don't know if it if it was any issues from him, but we'll have to go back and watch it. But I thought he was fine in first watch, which is what you want to say. You want you know you don't want any glaring mistakes. And if you can get away from glaring mistakes, then you can study the granular stuff, which we will uh, on the channel this week. Take a look at the O line play as usual. So um, yeah, I thought he was. I thought they were good though. I thought White Teller had a couple really dumb decisions like th- that that decided to dive late on that Bengals interception right. and he, he almost hurt Joel Batonio just such a boneheaded play there man I, I, did, I really didn't like it but you know uh, otherwise I it seemed like the O-line played fine I still am concerned about Jedrick Wills to an extent I don't know if Jed Wills loves football and sometimes like the way he stops playing early drives me crazy and i know it does kyle too he's so talented he just doesn't finish plays so you know that's my stance yeah i i I saw the uh video that you did with kyle and uh let me tell you kyle knows what he's talking about he is a great uh resource on the offensive line if he's unenthused about wills then count me as unenthused as well uh, Fred, let's go to the next question that we have here. Um, well, I'll say something from... about Hudson. Go ahead. Um, Doug Deacon talked about it. He said that he just needs to get in the weight room and he just needs to get an NFL body and develop. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I take it a little bit from a former tackle that, you know, I don't think they were counting on him this year. I figured he was going to be an inactive most of the season, and so did they. Right. Chris Hubbard was going to be in that role. And so he got thrown in there. I think that, you know, he's got some talent. This offseason will be big for him because, you know, it's like you give up on a guy too early. I know a lot of the same stuff was said about Austin Corbett um, was drafted higher, but sometimes these guys are just not ready for a little bit of time. And it's kind of unfortunate that he had to play. It should help him with experience, but. I I think that, you know, remains to be seen if they add any other offensive linemen this offseason. Yeah, it was uh, supposed to be his redshirt year and uh, turned out not to be. Uh, I'm scanning the chat for questions. uh, And the next question we have is from Relomar uh, asking if Demetric Felton can play that Jarvis role uh, next season. Uh, Boy, that's kind of a big ask if you – you know, to, uh, to play it at, uh, Jarvis's level. But what do you think, Jake? Well, it's not like Percy Harvin on this thing, like where it's like a college H back role where you do, but mm. like he's, you're either a wide receiver or you're not. And I, Jarvis does a bunch of different things outside and inside. And I, I don't think one player recreates some of the things that Jarvis can do, especially not a guy as raw as Felton. So I, I, it could come down the line, but like to me, Jarvis is a pure wide receiver who gets a lot of he's not a running back hybrid type where 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 Felton is so I mean he could step into the slot when they go 11 personnel and do some of that stuff but I'm not like banking on that and I and I don't think there's some defined huge defined role that Jarvis has either I think he's just he's a piece of the puzzle here where they fit him in at at a certain alignment and he can play x and he can play z and he can do a bunch of different things I don't think Felton really duplicates some of that stuff. I, I think he could find. I, I like the role that Felton carved out throughout the year, just kind of like an in between, 
can play a little in the backfield, can do some of your motion stuff, you know. So I think that role is fine for him. And if they, they see him as a long-term wide receiver, we'll see if they can shake out some more targets for him. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Fair enough. Um, Fred, any thoughts on Felton? Well, I think he's kind of, yeah, he's got little in-between guy. I, I don't see him as a full-time, you know, go-to guy like Landry is, but I see him more used as that third down back coming out of the backfield, you know, if and also in the slot. I think this year when Landry was out, he picked up some of the role, but I don't think he's mm-hmm. going to get all the roles. So no, I don't think you can count on him. You know, I wouldn't look at him as an upgrade into the wide receiver core um, on some of the guys they really need to add. You need to you need to really have, you know, a big play threat, and he could be, but I don't see, you know, I don't see him down the field. I see him more of the screen, quick slant type guy. Right. Uh, Jake, I'm going to put you on the spot again. <laughs> uh, this uh, question coming in from Shooter McGavin. <laughs> yeah, he said uh, the only reason Mike Prefer wouldn't get fired is that him and Kevin Stefanski are longtime friends, right? The special teams were bad all season, and somehow even uh, almost even worse today. We talked about this in the pregame a little bit. Now we're not calling for anybody's head or anything like that here, uh, but um, you know the question uh, seemed to boil down to what's coaching versus what's personnel, right? in terms of how much blame goes to the special teams coordinator. And, um, you know, what were your thoughts on that? I, I, I thought you were pretty much feeling that you can't put it all on the special teams guy. I don't know what the added value of him has been. You know, I, I, it, I think that's such a behind closed doors. Field. Who was it? Was it Tabor that we saw in Cleveland forever? Like, mm-hmm. like, like special teams coordinators, man. I'm going to be honest with you guys they all do the same things like across the NFL. There's really very few unique things that they do. Uh, They, they have a huge role of helping set up practices in terms of special teams, repetition things. And they do obviously some instruction for certain positions and how they want to get down the field and tackle and some of that. But like they, they're all doing the same things. Your kicker either can make it or he doesn't. He either kicks it into the end zone or he doesn't. And your punter either punts at the right. They got to get a better punter and they have to get a better kicker. That's what I think the biggest thing is. Now, could they get some things cleaned up? Sure. I mean, the onside team was pretty garbage, but that's about Harrison Bryant picking the ball. I mean, I know they're coaching him to pick the ball up sooner. You can't let it mm-hmm. let that last bounce right back inside on your chest like that. So right. I, I don't know. I, I, I have a hard time envisioning. There's a, You can convince me that they could move on. No problem. I think that you, you could convince me, but again, what, what, what is somebody new bringing a value there that, that somebody close to Stefanski isn't, if that makes sense. So like, I, I just, these guys, special teams guys hang around. If, as long as you're not, 
you're not the guy causing the problems, you know, then, then, then it's hard to see for me to see them moving on from him for right or wrong. I mean, it's like, it's a, this guy's as close to him from his Minnesota days and that's going to matter to him. And he trusts him. He's the guy when Stefanski has been out two years in a row, he's the guy he's called the, to be the head coach, right? Barry in those two situations. So I get it. He's got a, he's got, you know, he's got some things in his past. I'm sure he's not proud of saying too, that doesn't help, but I just, I just think they should run it back with who they have. If the special teams become a glaring weakness from like a, coaching level things then yeah i could get on board with that but it's not going to make or break their 2022 season whether they fire the special teams coordinator they don't have they need to find a guy who can return punts like that would Mm -hmm. help that would immensely help they got to figure out that role they got to figure out a couple other roles that i think people are ticked about because people are ticked about the punting and they blame it on him you know they're kicked they're ticked about a kick kick or missing a kick and they blame it on him so it's just how it goes as a special teams coordinator. It's tough. Yeah, if you've got Chris Gardaki and uh, Phil Dawson, you look like a much better special teams coordinator than uh, if you've got the guys that we currently have. Yeah. You know, and uh, it's the same thing with Zach Taylor. Zach Taylor is a lot smarter now than he was two years ago before he got Burrow and Chase. Um, well, that's like – that's kind of what I'm saying is – I think the way the only way to judge special teams coaches is in house. Like the only guy who knows whether he's doing the right things he's asking him to do or not is Stefanski. You know, right. like that's that's the only guy we can look at the results from the kicking game on paper. It's like they're not coaching him to miss the kicks and they're not coaching him to punt at thirty two yards instead of forty two. You know, so there's no defined no special teams coach has a defined secret to kicking. Right, like these guys are all privately coached. They all know the fundamentals by the time they get to the NFL. So you got either you can either do it or you can't do it, man. Right. Hey, Fred, I've got another question for you. This comes from Ten Watt. Um, and again, keep these questions coming in the chat. We love them. Uh, we love the interaction and uh, really drives the show. But Ten Watt, his question is: What has been Andrew Barry's best offensive move so far? So obviously, he fixed the defense pretty effectively this year with his free agent acquisitions. But uh, what would you say is the smartest thing he's done on the offensive side of the ball? So last year was his first draft. We drafted Wills. I don't know who else he drafted. Can't remember. I I don't have anything in front of me. But Mm. uh, free agents, Cooper doesn't look like, you know, money well spent. You know, I think he's got 38 catches in 17 games, two catches a game this year, and um, he was a high-priced free agent. Right. Um, you know, I he picked I, up the options for Joku and Baker. Con- Conklin's an All-Pro. I mean, they signed him. He's okay. He had a, he had a yeah. nice year. Yeah, got yeah Conklin year. was Conklin was a guy that I was all for targeting, and he signed him. Um, it's just, yeah, without looking at the roster, I'm just, it's all jarbled to me, but (laughs) I would think the moves were in his first year because this was all defense. The only guys he brought in on offense were Hudson, Felton, and Schwartz. None of them are impact players, maybe Felton the most. I mean, Schwartz dropped maybe a touchdown today and a quick slant. He was way Mm -hmm. ahead of the guy. Um, hasn't really shown, you know, that he's the difference maker at all. Um, but yeah, I would go back, and that was 
by design. They didn't think they really needed to add much this year. So the first year, Hooper, I think, was maybe a luxury they didn't need. At the end. And Conklin was probably the best move on the tackle. You know, I liked extending Teller and getting some of that stuff done with Batonio. Um, mm-hmm. It's going to be, you know, I'll, I'll say a move that I didn't like. I didn't like just letting Caven into OBJ and letting him do what he wanted because you've set the precedence now. Um, and even though it worked out for him, the next guy's upset, starts throwing a tantrum. You know, yeah, how are you going to stop do? it? Right. So I think that they're going to swing the pendulum back to the offense now and figure out what is the, what is the fixing, you know, what there, but you still got to tinker a little with the defense, but you know, I, I kind of trust that he, that he's learned knows what he's doing, but it hasn't been a lot of, a lot of big moves on the offense other than contracts and stuff like that. It seems like. Right. Yeah. He's inherited most of the offense. I mean, it's just been wading through what are the good decisions based on what he's had. He added a couple pieces to it. Obviously, we know that. I think it was a really nice job not to cave into the trade demands by Njoku and he when he first arrived. Barry did. I thought I thought that was smart. They've got a pretty good tight end there. We'll see if they're able to keep him. Um, you know, otherwise it's it hasn't had. I mean, like I said, he fixed the tackle issue when he got here. There's no doubt about that. You know, mm-hmm. Jed has been inconsistent, but it's better than what it was before. If you guys remember 2019, what it was before. Um, so I think he's done a nice job there. Now he's got to redefine a couple important positions. And he's got an, a looming quarterback thing hanging around. We'll see what they do with that, you know. But for now, it's, it's, let's give him a chance to fix what's going on offensively, and we'll go from there. I mean, I don't know. It's how it goes. Yeah. You know, it, rosters turn over. The Browns had a plan at wide receiver because they had no other choice. I mean, they couldn't – there's nothing they could do with those two contracts. They did the best they could with trying to get them both on the field and working. Now they get flexibility for wide receiver, you know. They can do mm-hmm. some of their own decisions there. Right. It's uh, They can get their people, you know, at wide receiver and uh, potentially at some point at quarterback uh, since they inherited Baker Mayfield as well. Uh, but I really think that the extensions to Batonio and Teller and the extension to Chubb really sort of defined the Browns for the next three, four years as a, as a team that is going to uh, run the football at you, right. And down your throat if they possibly can. And uh, you know, I think that's been Andrew Berry's stamp on the offense so far, but it'll be an interesting, be an interesting off season uh, for sure. Uh, Al air OBR writes us to ask about Andrew Michael Gallup as a free agent and Jamison Williams in the draft. Uh, We're still sort of in in in-season mode here, and we are definitely going to shift to free agency and draft as our focus, uh, probably after these next couple of uh, Twitch streams uh, early this week. We're going to shift to off-season focus. Uh, But certainly, you know, Jake, to me, that sounds like (laughs) – a potential answer uh you know but uh you know that's both of those guys are going to be pretty expensive i would guess uh as a free agent in terms of you know where in the draft williams is going to go right well i mean to answer the first part of that if you want to sign michael gallup he's not playing next year he's gonna he's got a torn acl that just happened a few weeks ago that's right so he's not playing this next year so you're signing him for the following year um yeah, I mean, Jamison, there's so many guys that I'm fine with at the wide receiver group. Like, I, I think I think we, we've all kind of named a lot of them. Garrett Wilson, 
I could be fine with Olave at a certain point in the draft. I can be fine with Drake London's a really good player. There are so many guys that you can pick from and I'd be okay with. Pick the flavor you want based on what you think your offense needs and go with it. I mean, that's the thing. You know, I don't think uh, – I just want to remind people uh, about the two top names in this free agency class is that Godwin – I don't know if Godwin tore his ACL, but he tore something or he, he was severely hurt. Somebody can correct me on that if they want to, but Gallup tore his ACL. So your two top names people were anticipating maybe having a chance to go get are now done for the foreseeable future. So that becomes even tougher. I mean, Allen Robinson likely hits the market, but I mean, he's, I think he's kind of a shell of what he was when he was trying to hit the market earlier to get his big pay, his big payday. So anyway, I don't love a lot of the wide receivers. We went through this in the pregame. I would much rather go the route of, potentially someone's question there uh just above drafting two receivers one on day one and if you love a guy on day two cool if you Mm -hmm. love a guy on if you'd rather wait for somebody on day three also cool but i think they need to double up at receiver it's the position they need to fix you often don't see it fixed in free agency it's really hard position to pin down future production um so i would go cheap with a guy in free agency and then i would be all in on spending on the right uh, draft capital on those those players because it's a good draft for them and if you get two in the right class you love that man because you could control one of them at separate time if you get one in the first round and one in the third round one's under for four one's on a you know at a, at a five-year deal so you don't have to extend them at the identical time you know so if you hit on both that's a big reach there but nonetheless i think you guys get what i'm saying i don't have any issue with doubling up a wide receiver yeah it makes sense um Next question is for you, Fred. Uh, FD Podcast Cleveland asks about David Njoku. What's your what's your sense? Do you think the Browns will want to uh, get him back in 2022? Uh, I know that they extended his contract this year uh, to uh, get him back for another year, but do uh, you see Njoku as a member of the team in 2022? Fred, I think you're on mute, buddy. Well, I, I didn't do it. <laughs> I don't see it. You're good, Fred. You're good. We can hear you now. I think that, you know, that they want to bring him back. And I think he has indicated he wants to come back. But a sticking point would be money. He's He looks at his teammate, Alex Hooper, and probably says, well, you gave him this amount. You know, I think it's a little tricky situation. They might move on from Hooper, but I don't. I don't know if they'll both be back. So, yes, I would say they're going to bring him back. He changed his agent. He said for that purpose, and I don't think mm-hmm. they'd be talking as complimentary as they have about him in recent weeks if they didn't already think that was heading in the right direction. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, we're just going to handle a couple more questions and then we're going to move on and uh, we'll be back tomorrow for our uh, Monday Rewind. Uh, one more question that we have, and uh, I'll point this at you, Jake. What do you think happens with Austin Hooper? Likely back next year, and I think that that's probably the last year of the of the marriage between those guys. Like, I, I, It's hard for me to they could make a June one designation on a cut. I just have a hard time thinking they would do that. I think what you can do is offset some of David's money, give him a bonus right away and then put his, his money to hit later. Right. So that you're not, uh, you know, you, you, you kind of have Hooper's deal and then you replace Hooper's deal with David's over the long haul. Right. 
keep that money flowing at tight end. So I think you can get creative about extending David in the sense that you have both of them back for this upcoming season. And then you have uh, a real opportunity with, uh, um, with, with kind of jigs, like getting one to step in for the other by 2023. At this point, we're getting a lot of years out in front of ourselves here, but I think you could structure it that way. Absolutely. But I would expect um, Austin back next year. I think it could. It's like 80, like 90, 10. There's a lot of money they lose by doing that. Yeah. Yeah. It would be difficult to, uh, as you said, end the marriage. Uh, Fred, another question from 10, 10 Watts. He asked, uh, this was the most carries for running back since the Lions game. Uh, why did it take this long? And uh, we certainly saw an effective running offense today uh, against the Bengals. Um and uh, the question being, uh, you know, why haven't we run the ball more, basically? Well, I think, yeah, today was – they don't seem to worry about overworking Dearness Johnson. You know, I, I don't I don't quite understand that. I mean, it was clear with Chubb he was going to, you know, play in the first half. It was a little strange. They brought him out there fresh in the second half and had that big run, but – um, I think that's what, you know, that's what everybody's kind of wondering, what are you doing? It's the last game. Sure. You don't want to see, you know, not season ending, but like a ACL or some type of injury at this time of the year that cost your guy next season. But it just seems like, yeah, Dearness Johnson, okay, we're just going to give you the ball, you know, 25 times or whatever. You know, the running game started slow with Chubb, but then as they wore on, they had more yards rushing than the Bengals had total. And if you took away that drive, I know because I was doing the stats, that 75-yard drive the Bengals had there at the end, you know, the, the Bengals were coming into that drive about 100 yards for the game, and the Browns were 200 yards rushing. So, uh, yeah, it was good. You take it with a grain of salt because they were playing their backups and things like that. But, you know, it was good to see. And you know what you have, you know, and I think that's what they got to decide. What is their identity? I, I haven't really seen them come out and say, this is really our identity. And if last year you kind of felt what the identity was, it didn't really see it this year. When teams took away, you know, the run, you were just, oh, we don't know what to do. Yeah, I think that's exactly what's happened is, is that teams lined up a bunch of people in the box against an injured Baker Mayfield and dared us to throw. And we couldn't do that. So, you know, successfully stifled the run. Um, That's just my take. I'm not an expert, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, Last question of the show before we wrap up, Uh, Jake, this comes from our buddy Kevo 680. And he says with the defensive tackle class, not being great and very few teams early in the draft needing a receiver. Do you think we could move back and pick up equity? So, yeah, it depends on what receiver they love and what targeted range that that all works out in. You know, I'm a fan of just taking who you can take and ensuring that you get the guy you really want. I don't I don't love trading down all the time. There's some scenarios where I don't mind it, but in a, in a draft where you need to get the wide receiver you trust to fix some of your issues down the line or immediately even, I, I'm I'm more uh, tuned to, to to taking your guy right away. But if they think they can move down and still get the guy they really want, uh, who am I to tell them they're stupid? But um, <laughs> you know, I just my opinion is is wanting to get 
uh, the guy that you know is there at the point you're selecting. So we'll know about their pick selection by the end of today, but we'll see. I and I get the point. You know, the DT class isn't great. I, I think that they were more inclined to go sign a defensive tackle than anything else, but that's just me. Yeah, we'll we'll see how that develops. We've got plenty of time to talk about free agency in the draft over the course of the coming weeks. Uh, we're going to wrap up tonight. We'll be back tomorrow with uh, Monday Rewind. Uh, thank you, Jake. Thank you, Fred, for hanging out with us here. Really appreciate it. Thank you to E. Gillen and uh, I think it, uh, Armor Hatch for the gifted subs during the uh, during the broadcast. That was fantastic. Uh, and thank you, everyone, for hanging out with us post game here. Uh, As I said, we will be back tomorrow, and we will talk with you then. So long. See you guys. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.